So guys, we are back with episode 2 of the House of CC podcast. What a response we got to our first podcast. It was absolutely amazing. Um, from teachers at our kids' school to family, friends, clients, everybody's approached us to speak about episode 1 of the podcast. It's been an absolute amazing response. Um, but highly embarrassing because obviously it's my voice that's the podcast. <laughs> so um, I an amazing response to that. And because obviously I, I'd never done a podcast before, I then went on and listened to other people's podcasts to see what theirs was like and realised that everybody had a jingle. So myself and Tom decided that we would have a jingle made by Tom's cousin Chid uh, for our podcast. So that's what we've done. So big shout out and thanks to Chid for making our new jingle for this podcast. Uh, since the last time we spoke, we've had a launch night for the House of CC Academy, which went absolutely amazing. Uh, we had such a huge turnout for it. Um, we had uh, April, Maca- April, I can't remember her new second name, but she came along and did some fire breathing, stilt walking. Uh, we had a bar, raffles. Uh, we had such a great night. And I'm sure Maureen Wallace from SQA would agree with that. Also, Christine Brannan and Maddie Patterson used would vouch that it was a great night. So, also since last time we've been on the podcast, I have been away and I've worked with OK Magazine, something that I never in my wildest dreams thought would ever, ever happen for me. Uh, and this all happened through my great dear friend, Jean Johansson, uh, the presenter from A Place in the Sun, who was asked to do an interview by OK and chose me to be her hairstylist for that shoot. So a massive thank you again, Jean. And I know that this is just the beginning of huge things to come. Um, I'm actually been booked to do some work with Jean in the very near future. So keep your eyes peeled and all will be revealed very, very soon. So this week is Care Experience Week. So we're actually recording this and the date is 29th October and it's Sunday myself and Tom and the girls from the academy family and friends and uh, ourselves are all going up to Glasgow today because who cares uh, Scotland are doing the love rally march so we're all going along to be part of that march uh, which is dead exciting it's great it's Amazing to go along and hear other people's stories. It's great to network in the whole care experience world. Uh, it's I would recommend you go along, even like if you're adopted or you're fostering or you've any involvement with the care system, or even if you don't, it would really open your eyes to what actually is going on out there in the whole care experience world. So, I what a long intro. So, um, for Care Experience Week, we have cho- chosen our amazing friend Louise to come along and chat on the podcast because as promised we said we would try and get as many people on the podcast to speak every so often uh, just so that it's not my boring voice that he's here every time he's tuning in. So hi Louise and welcome to the podcast. Hello, thank you for having me. <laughs> so me and Louise have been, Louise actually started off by being a client of mine 
at the hair salon about 17, 18 years ago. Yeah. We've, we've since worked out. Uh, and I was going to say that we had a practice run last night during the <laughs> podcast, but uh, we, we had a podcast made last night and we decided to re-record it because it was nearly an hour's long and I didn't think that many people would stay tuned <laughs> to listen to me and Louise chatting for that long. So Louise has kindly came back in and we're just doing a quick reshoot of the podcast. So um, Louise's mum, Alison's also one of my clients and has been for many years as well. So Louise is actually adopted and she was adopted through St Margaret's, the church. And it was our mum, Alison and John, who, our dad, John, who adopted Louise. Uh, Alison shared her story with me many, many years ago, before myself and Tom even got together. Never knew, we never knew each other. I never, never thought that I would ever want kids or have kids. Uh, but always was intrigued listening to Alison's story. Uh, so I'm just going to fire some questions at you, Louise, and you, <laughs> you answer them to how you feel comfortable and if there's anything you're not comfortable to answer, you don't have to. So the first question is, what's your earliest memory about adoption and being adopted? Um, it's a real hard one because I've just always known. So really having to think back, it was just always language that was used in our house. Um, spoke to my mum when you had asked me to do the podcast, I'd spoken a bit to her. And she talks about how through the, the training, obviously when you go through the adoption or foster care um, programme, there's a lot of training involved, as you and Tom yeah. will remember Loads. fondly. <laughs> um, and one of the training sessions stuck with my mum that it's just so important to use the language and, yeah. use, and make it common and make it to normalise it. Um, I obviously don't remember this, but she talks a lot about when she'd be feeding me, like in the high chair, yeah. she would just say things like, you're my wee adopted baby, you're my special girl. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't really know. I do remember having conversations with my mum, um, especially her. My dad would always talk about it, but it was more so my mum. And just her explaining to me that I was like a really special girl. Like obviously it's mo- all parents think their children are special. Aye. But she would but drop in the word she adoption would drop in and even stuff. I was really special because someone really loved me um, but couldn't look after me and chose... And they loved you that much that yeah. they could make sure and you had a home. Yeah, that's, that's probably my earliest memory is just those kind of conversations and me not even realising then that that was different. A big deal, uh-huh. aye. So when you then went on, this is like just firing the question straight in, but then obviously you went into education stuff, so you're now saying like, when were you adopted though? So you would, like, your parents knew they were going to adopt you before you were even born, is that right? Yeah, so it's a bit different now um, than 34 years ago, <laughs> yeah. I know, I can't really drop that in, I know I don't look it, but yes, um, it was very different than the care system as to now. And it was actually my birth mother that had chosen um, my parents um, as my parents. So they already got that phone call to say that they had a a baby um, that was was coming. Does not work like that nowadays. (laughs) um, It's obviously very rare now for babies to be up for adoption from birth. So when did you move into your forever home with your mum and dad? I spent, I spent time in foster care with a foster carer, Eleanor, who my mum was in contact with, like my mum, Alison, was yeah. in contact with. 
um, just until all the, I think, the legalities and paperwork, just until all that was sorted. So I was in foster care for that time, even though I had my adopted family um, to go to. So I think that was maybe, I think I was probably around, oh, this is where, I was born in the May and I was baptised with my mum and dad in the August. So they would have had me for a wee while before then. So I I was definitely a few months old. Right. Um, So, but basically from birth, my mum and dad knew that you were going to be their child. Oh, that's amazing. And were you always Louise? Were you... No, so my name is Louise Megan, and my birth mother gave me Megan. Right. It wasn't part of, like, or not that I'm aware, it wasn't part of the stipulation, because sometimes, obviously, so your mo- uh, can say that you can change the name. Or yeah. She hadn't asked, I don't think, but my mum and dad decided. Chose. Oh, that's brilliant. So they named me Louise, which I don't know why I'm Louise, but I am. <laughs> that's um, a question for me, Again, I think children ask that, like, why is this my name or why is my middle name? And again, it was my birth mother that had given me the name Megan. Amazing. It's so important for your life story work to know, like, where your name comes from, 100%. Um, So then, obviously, going into school and education and stuff, did you feel different um, from your peers? Like, was it ever used against you, your whole adoption story? So again, going into school, I just thought my family was the same as everyone else's um, and it certainly wasn't talked about as much when I was at school all those years ago than I think it is now. There's a lot more conversation around children in care yeah, or care was. experience. It was never used against me by adults, I never felt, although like my mum would talk about how people would maybe say quick, like comments and things not without even yeah. probably realising like... Um, when I was first arrived in the church, I think someone came up and was like looking at me and said like, oh, and she's lovely as well. I'd expect you to look like different. I was going to be defective in some in some <laughs> way, but like... Uh, oh, um, your brain actually looks all right. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so that wasn't meant as a being used against, but I think just that not lack of education, yep, lack of understanding around. Uh-huh. Um, it did get used against me a few times with peers, um, again through them not understanding. Yeah. I think, you know, things like, oh, you left on a park bench, yeah. um, but you're not wanted. Or and like, I think that's the scary thing, because people automatically do think these kids are not wanted, and it's like people say to me, oh, it was calling to mum and dad with the junkies, with the alkies, is yeah. that why they weren't wanted? And, and the thing is, I don't want my kids or any kid growing up thinking that they were never wanted. My kids were wanted by their birth parents and it just didn't work out that that would be their future. Yeah. And we're, we're like, it's so grateful that they're our child, children for us to love, but they were 100% wanted and it's important for you as adopted people to know that yeah. you've always been wanted, whether that be with your parents now but it's also important to know that these were wanted by your birth parents. I think no one can judge these people in birth parents who, until you've walked in, in their shoes. And I know my mum has always been a huge advocate for my birth mother because she's very much, you know, she can't, there's nothing that she could ever do to thank her enough for 
giving she gave, me uh-huh. as, her, as her daughter. Um, I, know, I know sometimes <laughs> she's... <laughs> she's like, where's that receipt? Where's that receipt? <laughs> but, um, no, she's always... Even times where... I think it's normal for anyone to question and sometimes I did wonder, like, was I not wanted? Was I not good enough? Yeah. And my mum was always like, absolutely not. And don't ever be angry at her. Like, so much respect for birth parents who can make that... Make, that, make decision. that decision. And what about like in terms of family? Like, have you always felt that your family have uh, like you fitted in as a family member? Like, because obviously, like your late grand Peggy, mm-hmm. um, she was a huge part of your life. Um, and did you ever feel that you were different from the other grandchildren? Or? Not at all. I have to say that's where I feel incredibly lucky because there are a lot of there's a lot of families that you know have problems and especially. Within care experience, people some things don't placements don't always work out. Um, but no, for with my family, a hundred percent never felt. Uh, you were lucky. Enough. Different at all. Um, I because like the reason I'm asking that is because of I come from such a dysfunctional family. <laughs> who doesn't? I know who doesn't these days. But I remember like when my papa, like my papa, obviously you you speak about your mum and dad's adoption journey and how like. It, Everything was set out, everything seemed like to us so much quicker, like myself and Tom, it took us two two or three years to do our adoption journey for Collins and I remember like one time we passed a massive thing in the whole process and we were in France at the time and we were spending some time away and I put up a post to say, oh my god we've passed this part of the process mm-hmm. and my family were all so excited, so buzzing. And I remember like phoning my grandpapa, telling them we'd passed and all this. And I remember getting home like for that holiday, and my papa went, "Where's the Wayne? I thought you were away. Thought you were away to France to get a Wayne." And I'm like, "No." So it's like the older generation yeah. don't obviously get it. It's and the I way definitely we do. think like the process telling the story it sounds a lot faster, but it definitely was still a process for my mum and dad. A hundred percent. It is a, I think that's a misconception with people sometimes as well, it's like, oh, you just put yourself forward, get some checks done, and then, like, uh, that's they it. you're all right to have it, a way. It's not like that at no. all. It's quite a, I would say, I'd, I've not been through it, but I imagine a stressful, worrying time oh, to go it's through. horrific, but... And the anticipation of when, when it's going to yeah is it going to happen yeah and constantly feeling like people are trying to trip you up when it's really all in your head but trying to get rid of those feelings and those emotions is really really hard uh, when you're going through the process uh, and then obviously my grandpapa lived with them for a, a period of time uh, before I met Tom and stuff and then I remember my papa saying to me my papa was quite deep. He actually sounds quite like your dad, like in the sense where he didn't, he wouldn't speak a lot, but like anything he did have to say was always important. Uh-huh. And uh, I remember him turning to me. My grandpapa were now around like black people, gay people, mm-hmm. adopted people. Like they lived in such a small town, like we do. And uh, I remember my papa turning and saying to me how proud he was mm-hmm. that we had adopted a child, and that absolutely meant the world to me. So. Later down the line, when my papa actually passed away and we had a service for his funeral, I was then messaged by a family member to say that Collins shouldn't have been mentioned as one of my grandpapa's grandchildren because he wasn't blood-related. 
Yeah. So it's there's a lot of pretense out there that your like your family are there and they're going to support you and there's all this love and all that, but real life kicks in sometimes and for somebody to turn around and say that my child isn't a part of our family because they're not blood related ne- would never affect Collins because he would never know this but it really affected me more than anybody because I then thought do you know what you only having the privilege of seeing what this child's going to achieve and how they're going to grow I think sometimes people are just quite like blinkered in the sense of you know Baby's born, two parents, yeah. that's the kind of norm. Yeah. But for me, that's and that's one of the biggest things. I do talk about being adopted and normalising it because family is so much more than blood to me or genetics. Or, you know, yeah, you get the conversations about what's your genetic background and I'm Aye. like, oh, <laughs> well. Here we go. <laughs> but to me, the family are the people that have been around me when I'm upset, you know, when I fell and skinned my knee. My mum was the one who, when you were sick or you needed somebody. Um, so it's so much more. But there's certainly, I, I feel there still is that misconception. Of, there really is. And, and people feel that they can ask questions and say things sometimes where it's just, they, they maybe don't even realise that it's just inappropriate to delve into someone's story that very often will include so many other people um, as well. And what about becoming a parent yourself? Because obviously you now have two children of your own. How did being adopted affect you and the way you parent? I think for me, I very much am just my mum, Alison. Um, I hate to say that, I never thought I would say that. Um, By the way, for everybody listening, Alison very much would love to be on this podcast <laughs> more than what Louise is. Um, but, you know, to me, I've taken everything from being a mum from, from her and I think from conversations with other people who are adopted or been through the care system, we've always said sometimes it will really hit you when you have your own children, how much of a loss it would have been to, to give that child up, especially from, it was from birth with me, it was literally a few hours and, and that was, I was in the care system. Yeah. Um, and it did, it really hit home and just so much respect, um, can't ever thank my mum So you dad. think that that's what's made you a strong parent? Is I do, and I, I think like, I, I do like to think it, it's given me some extra strength because people have tried to discriminate or, you know, almost down my family and who I see like, you know, people would say things like, she's not your real mum. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, they are my real parents. Yeah. Like I have never known anything different. Yeah. And even if you know there's some people who are not adopted from birth or obviously they're going through go through care. Yeah. It's whoever's in front of you. It's that caregiver. Like nobody can take that away from from yeah. you. Um. My mum talks a lot about when the judge finally like passed. Yeah. The, the final stamp. Uh-huh, the final stamp. Yeah. And, said to her like this is your daughter like nobody yeah. can change this now yeah um i think yeah it has given me some extra strength and probably just more respect for my own mum and birth mother as well um just because I, I don't really think of them but i do think power to her and a lot of thanks Aye, amazing and if you ever search for your birth parents or is, it, is this something that you're considering doing? 
So I think for me it was, it's only natural to be curious um, growing up. So <laughs> you, it's very natural. <laughs> I am though, saying yes. Um, so, but my mum and dad would always talk about things and would answer as much as they could. Obviously, there'd be questions that I would have that they maybe couldn't. Yeah. Um, they always asked if I was going to find um, my birth parents that I would do it when they were still around. Yeah. And they never have explained as to why, but I think now as a parent myself, I imagine that they very much would want to support me. Yeah. Um, because it won't always be straightforward. Aye, they're not doing it because they want to put a barrier up no, and say no. absolutely, they've always encouraged if yeah. I wanted to. Like, they haven't tried to talk me into it, yeah. but when I've asked questions and been curious. And for me, I think it's a stone just best left unturned. Um, again, the system has changed, but it was at the age of 16 mm-hmm. that I could find um, my birth parents and there was a letter from my birth mother that had been written by her and, like, social work. Yeah. Um, that explained a lot of the story and I just thought it would be like a bad episode of EastEnders. <laughs> but I'm would you, like, in the sense, like, you're saying, like, because of your birth mum's decision, this is why you're where you are now? So uh-huh. it's, has it crossed your mind to meet her to say thank you? It certainly has, but I think for me, I just keep doing and just keep, you know, living the life that I am and being grateful for it and spend, having opportunities like this to talk about it and to try and it, like even if one person just listens to this and thinks like oh it's okay Aye. to be adopted or to go through the care system like you can, you can go on like there are millions of stories out there oh um, everybody has a story that's the thing isn't it? it's not all but just or even just for other people who don't have any experience in the care system or adoption just to think like maybe I won't ask those questions or maybe I won't think that it's different like yeah. their families are just the same as my family yeah. same problems, same issues hopefully just having like small conversations like this gives people more information and makes people more comfortable to have these type of conversations yeah, Absolutely, it's dead important like for young people, older people, anyone just to know that it's fine to have these uh, experiences and and talk about it and it is just dead important that we do have these conversations um so our final bit of this podcast is what does the care experience mean to you what what do you what's your opinion on the care system well obviously directly i've not had a huge involvement with it um, for 34 for yourself, years yeah. but it's very important for me I do keep up to date with different things happening especially in Scotland working in education as I see the care, the care system um, in practice um, obviously with the promise that the promise Scotland that has been in for a number of years about yeah. all care experienced young people feeling such a huge amazing like loved respected valued yeah. Um, it was really important the care system did need a complete overhaul and I think it's obviously still in, in the process of yeah. it um, the lack of I, I just I think for me I feel really grateful I don't think anyone can really understand how grateful I can feel because I could have ended up a statistic within definitely the care just, system. Yep, just another number just another number and yeah. that's the real thing for me is I want to try and advocate for, for all of those people so that they can try and... It's about you can have the same opportunities. Um, there Definitely are people can. out there 
that care, there are people out there that value you and respect you. Where you come from doesn't define where you're going to end up, as much as like cheesy Louise as that sounds. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I get that. Um, but um, that's what it means to me, that you're no different and it doesn't define you. And you can control. Uh-huh, it doesn't define you. Don't let it define you. Yeah. Because that's the issue. A lot of people think, oh, your care experience and that, it's like you've got that label <gasps> such and it just sticks with you forever. I think it's nice to uh, not feel labelled, but know that your care experience... I think sometimes like, you know, people are like, oh, why do you even need care experience week or why do you even need all of these things? Yeah. It's, it's because for so long it was just that label that mm-hmm. could put on, that stigma that mm-hmm. could put on. And um, it's trying to get rid of that it's stigma. It's trying to get rid of that and just for... I hope that we maybe don't need this in the future. That yeah. it just becomes the, a celebration. A celebration that it's it becomes part of the norm rather yeah. than being. Because we celebrate so many stuff, like in terms of like mental health week, uh-huh. cancer week. We celebrate loads, so uh, care experience should just be treated the same. It should be one big celebration yeah. of people's life journeys. That it's educating other yeah. people who don't have an understanding about it. For the acceptance of really it and is. the normalising yeah, of it. It really is. Well, thanks, Louise, so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for the second me. time. <laughs> Third time, my charm. Um, but yeah, thanks so much for coming on. And I hope everyone listening takes something away from the podcast. And have an amazing uh, Sunday, everybody. And thanks for tuning in and listening to the House of CSA podcast. Bye, guys. <laughs>